glory to Jesus. Who? Presence of the Lord. Amen? <clears throat> well, you excited to be here tonight? I guess, sir, you wouldn't be here, right? That's right. So, tonight, um, we're in our series on no more fear. And um, I want to I talk a little bit about some things that I feel like um, have so much to do in the society and the world we live in today with why people are, are struggling to overcome situations, why people get stuck in situations so, so hard and, and, and things appear to be so difficult for so many people. Um, you know, we live, in, we live in a world today where you, 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 you struggle being able to trust anybody. You struggle with trust. And the reason is, is because of the lack of truth. The Bible says you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free, right? When you know the truth, it'll set you free. But where there's no truth, there's no truth. <laughs> and where there's no truth in operation, it's very difficult to trust people. We live in a whole society and so, you know, in our whole political system, nobody trusts. Everybody's, you know, suspecting this or that. You know, there's all different types of conspiracy theories on both sides of, you know, what is happening, what the government's doing to us, what this group is doing, what that group is doing, what this person's doing, what that political group is doing and the other. And, and there's just not any trust. And the reason is because of fear. And tonight, what, what I want to talk about is two things that I think are the key to having our lives liberated from fear. And we've talked, we've hit around on this, but I want to get, I want to kind of hit the bullseye with it tonight. Amen? Um, because fear and dread is a real issue. It's a, it's, a, it's a major issue in people's lives today. And if we, and we, we, you cannot experience the goodness of God and the great things that God is doing and wanting to do in people's lives when you're in fear and dread. There's, it, it just doesn't, it's, oil, it's again that oil and water mixture. It doesn't mix. It doesn't happen. It's not going to happen. And I refuse to live my life not trusting people. I, I will walk in discernment with people, but I will not fear people lying to me and not being honest and truthful. I, I'm not going to fear that. You'll walk around gripped all the time, thinking, thinking actually living your life thinking the worst of people when God created us to think of the best of people. The, I think it's the eighth verse of 1 Corinthians 13 says that 
Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And just to kind of fast forward the whole message, you know, the, the end result is this. You will never in your life be free from fear if you're not practicing and developing love on a day-to-day basis. Because, because what we have to get to, see, God is love. Love is God. When you walk in love, you walk in God. So do we pick and choose who and what we want to love? So then we pick and choose where we want God in our life? No, so what we, what, we're, what we have to get to is a place where we walk in love in every situation, every single time, no matter what. Never thinking of ourselves and protecting ourselves. I'm not talking about abuse or something like that. I'm talking about my position with someone else. The only way that people in life will get over dishonesty and the fear of dishonesty and those kind of things, the only way people will get over those things at all, ever, is if somebody is walking in love. No other way. It it, it won't happen any other way. People are not going to just hear enough word and the word is just going to change things and then you, but you're doing nothing with it. You're just letting the word do the work and and, and, and I'm going to act like the devil over here. No. It's not the knowledge of the truth that you have. It, ha- it has to do with the application of the truth in your life every day. The Bible says if you're a hearer of the word and not a doer, you deceive yourself. And that's where most people live. I'll just tell you, most people live there because there's not the application of the truth in, in their lives. So tonight... I'm going to read my, our foundational scripture, and I'm going to read it in the, in the Amplified. <clears throat> uh, Psalm 34. Everybody coming to the anniversary weekend? Sunday morning, Sunday night. Anybody you see around town that just looks like they want to come somewhere, grab them and bring them. They'll like it. I'm teasing. Well, no, I'm not. Grab them all, bring them all. Where did I tell you? Psalm 34, right? And verse 4. And like I said, I'm going to read it in the Amplified. David said, I sought, inquired of the Lord, and required him of necessity and on the authority of his word. And he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. When I I come before the Lord on the authority of his word, not, not commanding or demanding him, I'm reminding him of what he says. When I come in the authority on that of that word, he hears me. I, I, I tell you, today I, I've, I've, become, I've become a firm believer when God hears me and when he doesn't. If I come before him crying and bawling and squalling and, you know, begging and those kind of things, he, he just doesn't hear that. I mean, he hears it, but he doesn't hear it with an expectation. 
Because what he's looking for, God's not up in heaven looking to be able to do something for us. He's in heaven watching. He's here on the earth by the Holy Spirit watching what we do. And what he's looking for, he wants to see what he set up work. Now it works, but it'll only work if we work it. And we have to work it according to his plan. David sought the Lord on the authority of his word And the Lord heard him and delivered him of all fear. You can't meditate on that enough. You want to be set free of things like we're talking about tonight? It's seeking the Lord on the authority of his word and believing that he hears you in the things that you're asking and believing for. Amen? Job 3, we've read this also. And I I want to look at not only verse 25 but 26 also. I want to look at that in the NIV. Verse 25. Job said, and you know, I'm not going to go into all what we talked about in the past concerning this, but Job said, what I feared has come upon me, what I dreaded has happened to me. Watch this. I have no peace. I have no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. One of the words I'm going, to read, I'm going to read you about seven words that have to do with what fear produces. One of them is turmoil. And what fear creates in a, in a person's life, as it did Job, is no peace. And yet, the chastisement of our peace was on him. So we should be living in peace. Amen? No quietness. Like everything stirred up all the time. Nothing quiet. No rest. Yet he said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, enter into my rest and partake of all that, in other words, all that I have for you. But there's no rest, no peace, no quietness, only turmoil. When? When we're in fear. No place to live, right? We talked about that bad things didn't happen to Job and then he got in fear. Job was in fear and what he continued over years and years and years to fear and, and to continue to look at the natural circumstances and listen to thoughts that the enemy would lie to him about. Because there, there was an enemy in those days. The difference in Job and you and I is the Spirit of God was upon them. In this dispensation of time, Spirit of God is within us. We can hear the voice of the Spirit of God speaking to us internally within us. Amen? So it wasn't bad things happened and he got afraid. Job had been in fear and he never got free of fear. Then when bad things happened, he woke up. He began to seek the Lord and sought the Lord on the authority of his word. And God delivered him of all fear. And double came back to his life as a result. So turmoil is one of the, one of the words we're using tonight. One of the... Um, the positions that you find yourself in is in turmoil. 1 John 4 gives us a number of others, and I'm going to read this passage in a number of different translation, translations. 1 John um, 4 and um, verse uh, 18 and 19. <clears throat> Verse 
Look at, look at the New King James first, verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love or perfected or developed love cast out all fear. Because fear involves torment. There's that word. There's, a, there's another word for what fear produces, and that's torment. Tormented all the time, like with Job. In the Amplified here in 1 John 4, it says in verse 18, it says, there is no fear in love, dread does not exist. But full-grown, complete love turns fear outdoors and expels every trace of terror. Another thing that fear produces is terror. For fear brings with it the thought the thought of punishment. The thought of punishment. That, that word in the King James, that word punishment there in the King James, uh, well, no, uh, translated from the King James in the Greek, that word punishment means <clears throat> two words. It's Penal infliction. Like the penal code. A law. So the thought that a certain act or something that's happening in your life, the thought comes that what you've done deserves punishment instead of forgiveness. That's what fear does. It constantly reminding you that you deserve to be punished for mistakes that you've made instead of understanding through the blood of Jesus we've been forgiven. But that on a day-to-day basis is what fear produces. And I told you, all of us in this dispensation of time, everybody sitting here today, the day you were born, you were born into fear in the society, in the world, in the system that we live in. It's fear. You were born into fear. And so, you know, maybe you were taught the Word as a young child and things grew in you and, 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 and you developed faith as a young child, but there's still elements of fear everywhere that you look. So we're all taught how to view things through fear. We're actually, most people were taught to accept fear, to tolerate fear, to try to cope with fear. You know, um, a little fear is okay because it keeps you honest or whatever, those kind of things. I mean, there's all kinds of sayings about fear that are absolute lies. No fear is good. None. God delivered us from fear. God delivered David on that side of the cross from fear. How much more will he do for us? Actually, how much more has he already done for us? He's liberated you and I from fear. <clears throat> in um, another words found in the New Living Translation, uh, in verse 18, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of, well, it's the same word, fear of punishment, 
And this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. And then in the, in the message, it, it, gives a, it gives a really startling word that has to do with fear. I'm going to actually read from verse 17, uh, verse 17 and 18 here. God is love. <clears throat> when we take up, verse 17, God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on judgment day or standing in in the world is identical with Christ's. There is no room in love for fear. Man, I like that. There is no room in love for fear. See, so so when you begin to make a determination that you're going to walk in the love of God, then, then your determination is to walk in love perfectly. God, God wants us walking in love in every situation, no matter what it is. And, and, and you've heard me say this many times, it's, it's not tackling the easy things and putting the difficult things off for another time, it's easier to tackle the big things and a lot of the little things leave. Watch what he says. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear since fear is crippling. Another word for what fear does is it cripples you. It paralyzes you, it shuts you down, it gets you focusing on things that, that, that are just constant all the time. I'm going to finish that, but I, w- I want to read a few things that I want you to think about. Um, when you're crippled and you're paralyzed and you're living in that punishment mentality, you have to live a life to survive. You have to live your life to survive. So, there's a lot of things that are mixed into survival. Number one is lying. I saw a Gallup poll this over a year or so ago that 82% of Americans lie. <laughs> I thought, well, that's probably not true. It's probably 100%. <clears throat> you know? I mean, because you, you, you give them an 82 percentile, then everybody's going to say, well, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of that uh, 18 percent that don't lie. But every day you have the opportunity. You, you realize just stretching a story is a lie. It's not big lies and little lies. If you're not truthful 100 percent, you're lying. Okay? But I'm telling you, 100% of people lie. Everybody lies. And the extent of how we lie determines, on, determines how much of our life we're living just to survive. When you're living in the love of God and, and you're living in a place where God is strengthening you and building you and you're, you're going before the Lord every day on the authority of His Word and you know that he's, He hears you, what do you have to lie about? 
There's no reason to. People hide behind different things. People hide behind all kinds of things. When you're in fear, it's very difficult to face truth because when you're in fear and you're in a punishment mentality, you can't face truth because you think God is angry at you or mad at you or holding things that you've done wrong against you. Horrible place to live when God has liberated us and set us free. God has already forgiven us of everything that we've ever done or ever will do even before we did it. Already forgiven. No reason to fear. Sometimes people think that, well, to be responsible and to be, you know, as though I'm taking responsibility for what I've done, I need to worry and be upset and have, a, have, have this attitude like people think that I'm sorry for what I've done. At the end of the day, all that really matters is what God thinks about what you're doing. It really doesn't matter what people, I'm, I'm not talking about waking up every day and just offend people because you don't care. But most people, if you live your life concerned about what other people think, you're going to be stirred up all the time. But the root of that is fear. It's the fear of what people think. It's the fear of man. Um, In this same place is um, there's there's a place that people live in of manipulation over other people. And one of the things that I've found through the years that is very difficult on other people is that is that everybody has the tendency to be offended about something taking an offense of something somebody else. And and when you're in fear, there's one of there there's one of two things or a lot of times it's both areas where it's, when, when you're in fear, it's easy to be offended, so it's easy to take the offense of someone else, and then it's very easy in the same way for, for lots and lots of people, all of us at different times, to, in that fear where there are offenses, manipulating and getting other people to take your offenses against someone else. See... You go read 1 Corinthians 13, you can't find any of those motivations in 1 Corinthians 13. Love manipulates to get its way. No, fear does. Fear manipulates to get its way. You know why? Because we don't trust the God inside of us. And I'm just saying, we're we're all in the same boat. I'm not looking at somebody, you know, you you may be sitting there, I can't tell you how many times through the years people have met me in the lobby out there and and they've asked me questions like, how did you know what you preached today? Did you talk to so-and-so or my wife or husband or this or whatever? You know, no, I'm not thinking of anybody. Actually, a lot of times when I'm preaching, I think of myself. Today, I don't have to manipulate because I trust the God inside of me. Now, is that prideful? No, it's truthful. Am, am I going to be prideful about that and be flippant about the fact that I trust that? No, that's every day. That's all the time, every situation. Every opportunity 
to take an offense, I've got to trust the God inside of me. Because if I don't, then fear takes over. And when fear is in operation, it's ugly. It's just ugly. The, the, the effects and the results of what fear produces is just flat out ugly. And God wants us liberated and free of it so that we can experience in this life all that he has for us. Now, in, in what I'm saying about this, I, I, I want to just take the last few minutes tonight and just point out two things that are vital. To, it's vital that you understand what I'm, what I'm fixing to say. And you may even think you understand what I'm saying in your head, but it's vital that you understand it because of what God wants to do in you and through you. Every fulfillment of everything that every person believes God for, we talk about the fulfillment of things that we're believing God for because we teach the Word in such a way that the Word has to get in you, it has to be a part of you. You have to believe in it for it to produce. And we've read example and story after story from the Bible that People, certain people had information early on, but they didn't believe, and like with Abraham, it took him almost 25 years to actually believe that what God said, he would, he would do it, but then he did believe it, and when he began to believe it and began to talk over himself as though what God said is so is so, then he, he saw his manifestation. But it took him 25 years to get that thing solid in him, and that's why we talk about those kind of things as something that is being developed because if you just talk about the fact that God said if you do this, this will work, if you just talk about it from, you know, point A to point Z and you don't talk about from, you know, B all the way to the end, and you don't talk about the, the difficulties and the things that come to try to steal from you what is working in you, if you're not aware of that, then the enemy will run roughshod over your life, and, and then with no truth, then fear remains. But when you know the truth, the truth you know sets you free, so now you don't have to be a liar. You don't have to be a manipulator. See, you can live your life being a lover. And we don't find ourselves looking for love in all the wrong places. We don't find ourselves looking for things <laughs> that are just going to produce more sorrow and more sadness. Man, I was raised in a family of sadness everywhere. I was raised with parents that were sad, that had sad upbringings and sad stuff going on. And it was sad, sad, sad. And I got born again and I was sad. And I was born again for a lot of years and still fighting with the sadness and the stuff and the things trying to pull you down and whatever until I began to really believe what I was hearing. The thing I never quit is I never quit listening. I never quit positioning myself to hear it. And as I began to hear it, it began to change the way that I think and see things. And today, I'm not a sad person. Huh? Joy of the Lord is my strength today because I didn't quit. And these two things I'm going to give you right now is what you have to know and understand, and you can never give up on this. If you give up on this, I'm just telling you right now, there's no hope for people's future. You can make your future happen, 
But there's no hope in God if we don't do these things that I'm talking about right here. That seems pretty serious. Now just take a deep breath. Galatians 6. I'm going to read two parts of Galatians 6, but I'm going to read the second part first, and then the first part second. (laughs) Verse 6. Just in the New King James. Let him who is taught the word... Share all in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived, for God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his, what? Flesh, will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap everlasting life. There's another way you can say it. I'm not changing this. You'll just let it relate to what I'm saying, the words I'm using here. But you can say it like this, verse 8. For he who sows to fear will from fear reap corruption. He who sows to faith will of faith reap everlasting life. You can say that those things fit because of what we're talking about. I'm not changing what he's saying right here because the flesh... And everything that you sow into in the flesh, the, 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 either directly or indirectly, is rooted to fear. All of it is. And when we begin to realize that, and we begin to understand that every action and reaction that I have and that I make day to day is a seed. What does a seed know to do? Knows to get in the right ground, get in that ground, and produce a harvest. And bad seeds produce bad harvest. Fear seeds produce fear harvest. That's why we need to understand this. As long as heaven and earth is intact, so is seed time and harvest time. What happened with Job is he sowed fear for years and years, and his harvest day came, and he lost everything. He lost literally everything. And he didn't want to live. He lost peace and quietness. What was the other word? Rest. And in absolute turmoil in his life. That's why we need to understand this. We have to understand this. We have to know that we can't continue to live our lives in whatever way we might be doing that. Where fear is telling us what to do. Fear will tell you to take up an offense. Fear will empower you to not be truthful about something because you're trying to protect yourself. Fear will come and and, and kind of make you feel really good about taking up the offense of another person and, and making that person feel good, and then that makes you feel good. But listen, it's, it's all just for a while. 
You know how when you eat something you know you shouldn't eat? Man, as you're eating it, it's like, oh, man. <laughs> and 30 minutes later, it's like, what did I do? That's the way these kind of things are. Oh, man, it looks like, it looked like I'm taking it up and I'm holding on to this and encouraging this one and not being truthful about this. You know, man, I got it all figured out. No, you don't. No, what you're doing is you're sowing to the flesh and you will have a reckoning day if you don't stop it. Now, you can't stop it within yourself. The only thing that can stop it is the seed of the word beginning to take root in your heart. And when you become convinced that I got to tell the truth, I mean, the other day, somebody said something to me, and it was almost out of my mouth that I was going to say something just to shut them up. And, and, and literally, I don't know if you feel this or not, but it was like the hand of God. <laughs> what, are you, what, are you, what are you doing? I mean, I mean, I was busy that day. I was thinking about it, stuff. I was going, I had about three things going on and somebody said something and I was just like, uh, no. I mean, I mean, if I told you what it was, you'd go, <laughs> yeah, but I can't laugh about that kind of stuff. Not anymore. It's got to be truth in the morning, truth at noontime, truth in the evening, truth in the night, truth all the time. I can't, I, I, I just can't do it. I'm just telling you today, I sought the Lord and God's hearing me. And, and so when I feel the pressure or the intimidation to not be truthful or to take an offense or to be this way or that way, as I seek the Lord in those times on the authority of his word, he hears me and he delivers me of that fear every single, every, every single time. If you don't seek the Lord on those things, you don't get free of it. You seek the Lord on the authority of his word. Father, you told me to come to you. I boldly come before your throne of grace. Lord, I feel overwhelmed. I kind of feel stressed over this situation. This, this person said something about this, and I'm not sure what to do with it, but I'm coming to you today. I begin to pray in the spirit or something. You know, you begin to pray in the spirit, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the peace of God just begins to drench over you. That peace that Job lost. All of a sudden, this quietness, just shut your mouth, just let the whole thing work out, it'll work out. If I want you to do something, I'll tell you. It's like this thing that God, you know, you, because, because I, I'll just say, first half of my born-again life, it was like, man, I was after God. I mean, it was like God was, you know, turned the switch down a little bit, birds talking all the time. But in the last few years of my life, it's like, What's happened is I, ha I needed all that, but then things shift gears, and, and now it's like, I don't have to talk all the time. I can listen. I can pay attention. I need to be free of any kind of manipulation or lying or this. I need to be free so I can help other people be free, and other people have, can realize they don't have to give in to that kind of stuff and play those kind of games. Because listen, lying and manipulation and, and, and th those types of things, they're games.
but they're games that the enemy has set. They're the traps that Ephesians 6 talked about, the traps that the enemy has laid for us to step into, and the more we do it, it doesn't seem like it's all that bad in the moment, but when I'm sowing that seed, it's going to produce that harvest. What I'm doing is I'm, I'm, man, I'm, listen, all the time that you're sowing seeds of the love of God and righteousness, I don't know how it happens, but it uproots those other seeds. It's like, it's like that garden that was planted over here of all this stuff that you should reap. If you get real in this thing, I'm, ta- I'm just talking about, I'm not talking about, oh, I better sow this seed so that doesn't come up. No, it'll, it'll still come up. But when you start sowing seeds of righteousness and love and you do what God says, what are these, these next two passages of Scripture I'm going to give you, when you're living like this, I don't know how, but supernaturally, the mercy of God, the grace of God, what we don't deserve, just uproots the things that we've sown in the past. Just uproots them. I mean, it's a win-win. So you have to be convinced of the seed that you sow when you're operating in fear. And the things, some of the things that I just mentioned to you, you have to be convinced of that. And the second thing is that you have to be convinced that fear is destroyed through what I'm going to show you in, this, in these two passages of Scripture. Ephesians 6, fear is destroyed by what I'm going to read to you right here. Ephesians 6 and verse 5. I'm just going to read it in the New King James. He said, Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing, knowing that whatever good anyone does, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he be slave or free. Whatever good thing that I'm doing, why? Because when I'm doing good, I'm sowing good seed. What did Galatians say about that? When you sow good, you reap good. And the reason he's talking about, he's talking about bond servants or employees or this or people that are above you or whatever, not if they do everything right, but as you're doing it is unto Christ. And you know, why, you know why he said that? Because it's practice in how to handle other people. It's practice in how to handle the rest of the world. I mean, people are just flat upset. Hmm? Everywhere you turn, somebody's got an angle of an attitude. I mean, just rub you and you say something and they snap back at you and they say something hard or ugly, you know. And listen, those responses from other people, what are they after? They're after that unrenewed part of your life that's going to give in to it. Did you hear me? They're after the unrenewed stuff that you're going to give in to. That's where when I get stirred up and I get upset about what someone else does, that's where I got, man, that's where I got to go before him. 
Father, that just, that just really ticked me off. And, and so God, most of the time, he'll ask you questions. Why? Well, because they were so rude. Well, why does it upset you? Well, because it hurt my feelings. But why is it upsetting you? Because they were just ugly. Yeah, but you're not getting to the reason why you're upset. Because I want them to be nice to me. Hmm? Yeah. I'll just tell you at the end of the day, if you're waiting for people to be nice to you, to walk in the love of God, you're going to wait till hell freezes over. I'm telling you, it's just not going to, you can't wait for people. We got to be the people that do it first. The way you want to be treated, Jesus said that in one translation in, over in uh, Luke somewhere, six, maybe, seven, eight, ten. Somewhere in there he said, I think it's ten, he said, the way you want to be treated, you take the first initiative and you act that way and you treat others the way you want to be treated and when you do that, that's where you reap the harvest. So to the flesh, you're going to reap the other. You're waiting for other people to do it and so you're going to be mad and ugly and mean and, and, and manipulative and all these kind of things, then you're going to reap that harvest may not seem like it today, but I promise you, as long as heaven and earth is intact, and it's still intact, so is seed time and harvest time. Amen? And the other verse is the first part of Galatians 6, verse 1. And I'm going to read this in the message. Verse 1 of Galatians 6. Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share your burdens and so complete Christ's law. If you think you are too good for that, you are badly deceived. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, and then sink yourself into that. I'm going to read that again. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, and then sink yourself into that. Well, I'll tell you the work that you've been given is... The next little piece I'm going to read right after this. And sink yourself into it. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Each one of us have that responsibility. I'm just telling you right now. You've been given the Word of God. You've been given the Holy Spirit. You've been given all of heaven to back you up. And I'm telling you, you can do a pretty dang good job of doing your best. To be who he created us to be and to live that out day to day. Can you say amen to that? So in 1 Corinthians 13, I'm going to end with this. I always encourage you to go back and read things that we're talking about and meditate on them. Paul said in verse 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I can remove mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. I'm how much? Nothing. I'm absolutely nothing. 
And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. There's no profit if we're not walking in love. So if you think about those three statements that if you're not walking in love, you're boom, boom, boom. That's what you are. Jingalinga, jingalinga, jingalinga. That's what you are if you, if you don't walk in love. And if you have all faith but not walk in love, he says you're nothing. And if you give everything that you have, every financial piece, and you do everything, givey, 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 but you don't walk in love, it profits you nothing. So if that's the case, just think about this. It's just a challenge to you. It's the way God has challenged me in my life. Every time that I don't walk in love, it's producing bong, bong. It's producing nothing, and it's producing no profit. And the more I do that, and the more I let that be a part of my life, and I continue to do it, when you, when you do more of that, more of it will happen. And it'll produce more harvest. It'll produce nothing and no profit and nothing more than just a bong. That's what it produces. And the way that we see the fear that is in life that we were born into out of our life is by taking the word we hear and practice it in walking in love with people. And, and, and sometimes it's walking, and a lot of times, it's walking in love with people that are unlovely to us. You ever, you ever watched somebody that, you know, I might be talking to Joey and, and you know, I shook his hand, and man, we're just laughing or whatever, you know, and Caleb sees me and he comes to me and I, and, and I see Caleb, yeah, I, well, did you see the way that he talked to Joey? I mean, he was just all that, you know, with Joey. And then he comes to me and he shakes my hand and he doesn't do nothing. See, so we think, so now Caleb thinks that I'm, I, I, that there's something with me. See, so now he's, now he's offended, fear's trying to say that, to Caleb, all kinds of things. Well, I'm not as important as Joey, and well, you know, uh, pastor just doesn't like me that much. And he, he, maybe, maybe I shook his hand and I'm thinking about something else and somebody else said something, but his perception is reality to him. That's what he believes. And man, when you take that thing, and you start walking in that, ooh, doggies. Hmm? What's it producing? Bong, bong. Nothing, no profit. Nothing, no profit. Nothing, no profit when I take it. But when I go before it, Lord, I'm just telling you, I'm honest, I was hurt. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. Well, I'm like Caleb saying this, I'm hurt. Pastor didn't shake my hand like he shook Joey's and really hurt me. <laughs> and you can cry. And do all that. And you can do all that. And that's what God wants. He wants you to come to him honestly about how you feel. 
But then what's got to come up out of the inside of you, and that only determines on if you're listening to word. And what's got to come on the inside of you is, you know what? I forgive him. I forgive, Pastor. I'm not, I'm not holding that against him. I'm believing the best because love believes the best of all things, of all people, in every situation, not just every once in a while. So, see, maybe you shouldn't have come tonight. Because, see, I'm challenging you on every single thing that you do, and especially in the situations that rub you the worst. Now, watch what it says. Love, it didn't say you did, it said love does. It suffers long, it's kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't parade itself. It's all about me. It's not puffed up. Does not behave rudely, rude, rude in a situation because, man, they deserved it. What's it producing? Bong, bong, nothing, no profit. See, see, their rudeness was to get to the effects of fear and dread and that kind of thing in you that's going to respond to their, react, their, their attitude so that your reaction to what they did is going to keep you in nothing and no profit. That's the way it works. Any good thing that anybody does for another person, the same he'll receive from the Lord. No matter who he is, no matter where he was born, no matter what it looks like, you know what? What I'm talking about is watching the effects of the word work in your life almost like magic. Like pixie dust. Like Peter Pan. Like magic. That's the way it will work over time when you believe it, not you trying to make it happen, but because you believe it. It'll just work that way. And so, it's not rude, doesn't seek its own, is not provoked. When? Ever. Ever. So every opportunity you have to be provoked or get rude or get mad or get frustrated or get impatient or whatever, it's an opportunity for you by the power of the Holy Ghost and seeking God and coming to God on the authority of His Word to shut that down and give it no place. And the more you practice that, the more that love gets developed. And it says, perfect love, developed love, casteth out all fear. That's what happened to Job. And that's what's happened to me. How about you? I declare, no fear here. No fear in me. Not giving place to any of it. None. Ever, ever, ever. Every opportunity, I'm going to walk in love. You know what I did one time? I had a person I was really struggling walking in love with. And I still have the paper. And I began to pray in, in, in the spirit about it. It took me a while. And I wrote down every good thing that I knew about that person. And then I began to write things that I thought were, I'm going to write by faith about the person. And then I began to write down things on this piece of paper that I was going to do every day. And for, I don't know how long, 
I mean, I still see it, and I'll still look over it again, even to this day. But I got delivered of the attitude that I had toward that person because of what I began to say. I began to say the way I was going to act to that person. And I just found myself doing it. And the first few times I did it, I could just feel the hair on the back of my neck stand or whatever. I didn't want to, I could even feel the, my neck sweating over it. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to act that way. I didn't want to do the things that I was doing. But as I did it, I got free of it. And I'm so close to that person today. doesn't matter who it is. It was years ago. And as I did that, it developed it. And so today, so today, when someone else like that cr crops up in my life or somebody's doing something like that, it's so much easier to overcome that because I shut that thing down. I gave it no place and no place to operate. Can you say amen to that? Just, just hear these last two verses. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. Love never fails. So we have to believe everything we do is a seed, good or bad. And we have to believe that nothing is going to keep us from walking in the love of God. Whatever good thing that a person does, the same he'll receive from the Lord. It's a win-win. We cannot lose for living our life not thinking about ourselves. It's, a, it's, a, it, it's, it's more than what we bargained for the day we got born again, I promise you. Nobody told us about how deep this thing was going to be and how much was going to be required of our lives. Have you ever thought of, have you ever looked at somebody that you thought was a good, good Christian and they've done something that is not right? And man, I mean, the judgment antennas go. There was a show back in the 60s and 70s, My Favorite Martian. And he had these little antennas come out of the top of his head. Well, actually, they were behind his neck, weren't they? Uh, wherever they came. And it's like those antennas crop up. Every, you know, we, all, we have this judgment towards people that, you know, they, they made a mistake or they did something I didn't like or whatever. All that's motivated out of his fear. Because the less I give in to those kind of things, the more I overcome it, and the more I'm not moved by those things, and actually I can pray. And I'll just tell you, I just got to throw another thing in. I know I'm continuing to ramble on. But I have never in my life, ever, especially in the last three or four years, prayed for people like I pray for people today. And I'll just tell you, I don't have time to be offended with people. Not when you pray for them. I mean, I'm adding somebody else to my list every day. Somebody, something, some deal. Somebody said something or whatever. Speak over. Speak in the word over. Amen? Take what you heard tonight. Let it go deep in your heart. This is serious business. Amen? It's a great day to be alive and to be able to be empowered to walk in love. The world needs it. It's what's saving the world is you and I walking in the love of God. It's saving the world. The kindness of, of God is what leads a man to repentance. The kindness of God, the love of God, it's what leads people to